Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. After you have had children and grandchildren and have lived in the land a long time, if you then become corrupt and make any kind of idol, doing evil and in the eyes of the Lord your God and provoking him to anger, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you this day that you will quickly perish from the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You will not live there long, but will certainly be destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and only a few of you will survive among the nations to which the Lord will drive you. There you will worship man-made gods of wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or eat or smell. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have happened to you, then in later days you will return to the Lord your God and obey him. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your forefathers, which he confirmed to them by oath. And then our second reading, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, which you'll find on page 1212 in the Church Bible. Hebrews 13, verse 20. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. I want to just share three things this morning with you. Um, some encouraging news, that's always good, a challenging truth, and a thrilling prospect. Uh, and they're all um, linked with the, the word not surprisingly, on the 1st of January, really new, new. So the, the first of them is the encouraging news that there is an eternal covenant or a new covenant. The writer to the Hebrews talks about it as an eternal covenant, uh, and it was, for many centuries, it was, it was kind of... Um, mainstream thinking that, that uh, an eternal covenant was something that referred to a, a kind of an imagined conversation within the persons of the Trinity. Uh, and more recent scholars tend to prefer the idea um, that, that the eternal covenant is the new covenant looking forwards. But either way, it, it really um, amounts to, to the same thing. And I want to start this morning by quoting a long quotation um, from Charles Spurgeon. You usually don't get criticized as a Baptist for quoting from Charles Spurgeon. But th th this is a little long. I'm not going to kind of go over it again. Um, it's too long to do that. But I think it's actually um, a brilliant summary of 
salvation from the, the perspective of the Trinity, how the Father, the Son, and the Spirit kind of are all involved in our salvation. Uh, and it's what Charles Spurgeon calls the, the eternal covenant, what more modern scholars would want to call the, the, the new covenant. I think the two things are the same thing um, spoken of slightly differently. So this is an imagined conversation. Spurgeon never suggested it actually took place on a particular time, but, but it's worth reading, I think, because it, it wonderfully explains to us how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have all been involved in our salvation. If, if you were a Christian this morning, then whether this ever took place as a conversation or not, this is the truth of the gospel, and it's brilliant. And if you, you want to kind of think about it a little bit more, I'll more than happily re, um, print some copies of it out. But this is what Spurgeon says. The first to speak is the Father. And I'll leave it in kind of Spurgeon-type language. So when it comes to the these and thous, just imagine you're on holiday in Yorkshire. It'll be fine. The first to speak is the Father who vows to save a people he will love forever. He says, I, the Most High Jehovah, do hereby give unto my only begotten and well-beloved Son a people, countless beyond the number of the stars, who shall be by him washed from sin, by him preserved and kept and led and by him at last presented before my throne without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. I covenant by oath and swear by myself because I can swear by no greater that these whom I now give to Christ shall be forever the objects of my eternal love. Them will I forgive through the merits of his blood. To these will I give perfect righteousness. These will I adopt and make my sons and daughters, and these shall reign with me through Christ eternally. Then, says Spurgeon, it is the Holy Spirit's turn to speak. For his part, the Spirit promises to bring sinners to a knowledge of salvation. I hereby covenant that all whom the Father gives to the Son, I will in due time quicken or make alive. I will show them their need of redemption. I will cut off from them all the groundless hope and destroy their refuge of lies. I will bring them to the blood of sprinkling. I will give them faith whereby this blood shall be applied to them. I will work in them every grace. I will keep their faith alive. I will cleanse them and drive out all depravity from them, and they shall be presented at last, spotless and faultless. Finally, says Spurgeon, it is time for the Son of God to make his covenant commitment. My Father, on my part, I covenant that in the fullness of time, I will become man. I will take upon myself the form and nature of the fallen race. 
I will live in their wretched world, and for my people I will keep the law perfectly. I will work out a spotless righteousness which shall be acceptable to the demands of your just and holy law. In due time, I will bear the sins of all my people. You shall exact their debts on me. The chastisement of their peace I will endure, and by my stripes they shall be healed. My Father, I covenant and promise that I will be obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." I will magnify thy law and make it honorable. I will suffer all they ought to have suffered. I will endure the curse of your law, and all the vials of your wrath shall be emptied and spent upon my head. I will then rise again. I will ascend to heaven. I will intercede for them at your right hand, and I will make myself responsible for every one of them that not one of those whom you have given me shall ever be lost. But I will bring all my sheep, of whom by thy blood thou hast constituted me the shepherd, I will bring every one of them safe to you at last. I think if you pull apart those, those things, whether there was ever such a conversation. All of those things are the truth of the gospel, aren't they? This is the, the relationship of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, all of them involved in our salvation. I said it was, an encu it was encouraging news, and it is because the reading that we had from Deuteronomy re revealed the, the truth for us that you and I are so familiar with that, that we are flawed and failing people. One of the things that happens invariably at the New Year is that people make New Year's re resolutions, and then they break them. Uh, and we've all been there, haven't we? And we've been there um, since we've been saved. We, we, we make promises. We, we promise things to God that we then don't manage to fulfill because there is a, an inherent weakness in us. We are, we're not able to do the things. Th this glorious news is that there is a new covenant, which is actually an eternal covenant. It, it was always the covenant. It's called new because it replaces the, the covenant of works that was Sinai, the covenant that basically said to you and I, obey and live, but we do not obey so we cannot live. Uh, and that then becomes discouraging. And um, we, we've, we've all been there, I'm certain we have, whereby we've become disheartened and discouraged because of our own view of ourselves as we look in the spiritual mirror. We look and we, we say to ourselves, I should be far more godly now than I am. I've walked with Christ for so long. Why am I not more Christ-like? Is that your experience? It's certainly mine. And you think, where am I going to go? And of course, the, the beauty of the new covenant, the beauty of the eternal covenant, is that our salvation rests not on I will obey the law, but on he has obeyed the law. It speaks of Christ stepping into 
our humanity, taking upon himself human flesh, living, dying, rising. And we're reminded in that summary that even at this moment, he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. He's praying for us, and he has promised, and the Father has promised, that that when everything is finished, not one of us will be lost. Uh, And we will not be lost because of our ability to hold on to God, so much as God's ability and willingness uh, and determination to hold on to us. Our sins are forgiven because Christ has died. It's an everlasting covenant. It's mentioned in Isaiah, it's mentioned in Ezekiel, and it's a glorious covenant. This new covenant that's been made, it's an internal covenant. I will make with them an everlasting covenant, says Jeremiah, that I will not turn away from doing good to them, and I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. But when we do fail Hebrews 13.10 reminds us that the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, Christ has fulfilled his part of that covenant. He's come, he's assumed human nature, he's lived, he's died, he's risen again. And because of that, you and I can approach God. The writer to the Hebrews says, How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the the Spirit? The, The blood of the covenant, the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ is the thing that secures us for all eternity. We have a mediator. You remember Job Um, in the depths of his despair, cries out to God, and he says, oh, that I had a mediator, that I had someone to, to intercede for me. We have a glorious mediator. He presents our needs before the Father, and he presents himself as the reason that the Father has to forgive us for all our sins and all our iniquities. Hebrews 12, 24, he is the mediator of a new covenant. The new covenant, the eternal covenant. Those that are not too keen on the the kind of Spurgeon view of it would say, well, it's eternal because it's looking forward into the future. It's reminding us that there is nothing, uh, as Paul says in Romans, there's, there's nothing in heaven or earth, uh, there's nothing, no principality or power, that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, because Jesus himself has secured it. Whatever phrase we want to use, new covenant, eternal covenant, we would all agree on this. It's superior in every way to the old Mosaic covenant because that relied upon our obedience. Uh, And it was clear from the very beginning that God never intended that to be the means of salvation because built into that Mosaic covenant was not only the commandments, the law, but the sacrificial system. 
which was basically saying, this is the law, keep it and you'll live. But when you don't keep it, which you won't keep it, here's the blood. Here's the symbol of what I have done in all eternity because Christ suffered for us before the foundations of the world. In time, yes, it was on that hill outside of Jerusalem, AD 30 or whatever, 33, doesn't matter when. But in the heart of God, the death of Christ spread eternally backwards and forwards so that it is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that Abraham is saved, that, that the prophets are saved, that the men like David and women like Ruth and so on are saved. It's Christ's blood shed for us. It's a glorious covenant because it's superior. It's superior. Our obedience would need to be continuous. We would need to be living perfect lives today, but also a perfect life yesterday and a perfect life tomorrow. And we can't and don't do that. But the Lord Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, a perfect childhood. Not the teenage had been invited, invented then, but a perfect teenage, a perfect young manhood, a, a perfect ministry, a perfect death, and perfect obedience to God. Uh, and so his life is, is unique. Uh, and because he is both man and God, his sacrifice on the cross, unlike the, the blood of bulls and goats and so on, which, which could never really atone for sin. The value of Christ, the God-man, is infinite. Uh, and so, the value of His death can be applied to you and to you and to you and to me and to the countless multitude that are gathered before the throne of God and will be for all eternity. It's new because it replaces the old it's eternal because it was always the plan of God. It's not that Jesus coming into the world was God's plan B. You know, let's try plan A first of all and see whether they can keep the, the code of Moses and so on. And if that doesn't work, we'll see what else we can come up with. No, no. It was always the plan of God that Christ should come into the world and be our Savior and our Lord. So, if that's the, the good news, as it were, the encouraging news, where, where do we go from there? Um, what about a challenging truth for us to consider? What about this? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There's an annual optimism, isn't there, in the world 2023 now, 2022, well, maybe it was marginally better than 2021, um, but it, no, you know, it, it started full of hope and, and, and optimism, and, uh, and then it became like every other year. Uh, and, but we still have this kind of optimism. We, people think, well, let, let's try something new. Let's, let's try a new relationship and see whether that'll make us happy. Let's get new possessions. They'll make us happy. 
You know, once we accumulate and unwrap all of our Christmas presents, all the things that were on our list that we posted to our friends and relatives and so on, that'll make us happy. But it doesn't. A new job. Retirement, no job at all. All those things will make us happy. No, they won't. They, they all, in the end, fail. But what if we could be, what if we are, new creatures in Christ Jesus. I'm sure I've told you this before, but um, I was a mucky child, so my, my exercise books at school were always kind of tatty, and um, the corners were, and it, they usually, you know, you used to have those blue, did you have those blue exercise books in yours? Stapled? Well, my covers were never on, and then they were sellotaped on, and they were mucky, and I used to love it when the book was full, and I could go out to the teacher and say, my exercise book is full. Can I have a new one? Uh, and there it would be, glorious, until those wretched little things you had to dip your ink in got splattered on it again, and it was, it was mucky, and it started curling, and, and I thought, you know, this is a metaphor of life. Now, it wasn't bright enough in those days to use that phrase, but that's what it was. It was a metaphor of life. But what if we actually could? If you're not a Christian this morning, let me say this to you. Wouldn't it be fantastic news if you yourself could become new? No longer controlled by the same temper. No longer controlled by the same unclean thoughts no longer controlled by the same insecurities. But if you could be a new person, well, Scripture says you can. You can be new in Christ. And for those of us that are Christians, if that's what we are, if we are new creatures in Christ Jesus, then what God wants from us is that we live like new creatures in Christ Jesus. So in Romans 6, for instance, Paul says this, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The image of believers' baptism is quite eloquent, isn't it? You know, there you take somebody and you say, well, th th this person is dead, dead to their old way of thinking, dead to their old allegiances, um, so let's do what we do when people are dead, let's bury them. But one of the reasons that a crucifix is such an utterly inappropriate symbol for Christianity is that it, it misses the whole point. It, it, the gospel is not Christ was born in Bethlehem, lived a perfect life, and died. End of story. It's that Christ was born, lived, died, and rose again. And I remember baptizing somebody who had never been to a believer's baptism service in their life and, and was not the greatest fan of water um, and, and was a little concerned. And one of the questions they asked me was, well, do, do you pray during the baptism? I said, oh, yeah, yeah. And they said, well, 
how long do you pray when I'm under the water? And you go, oh, never more than about 15 minutes. You know, how long can you? No, no, no. I had to reassure them that the whole service would be totally wrecked if I didn't actually bring them back up out of the water again because the whole service of baptism symbolizes death but resurrection, newness of life. And what Paul is saying to the church at Rome is, Christians, you're new creatures now. You're no longer controlled by the, the prince of the power of this air. You're no longer controlled by your own human nature you can walk in newness of life. You, you can walk in the power of the Spirit, and, uh, and when you stumble along the way, you can be cleansed, uh, and you can be refreshed, and you can walk again. It's great news. We can serve in a new way. We're now released from the law, says Paul, in the next chapter, Romans 7, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Uh, as Christians, our, 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 we, it isn't that we have a checklist uh, as, as long as your arm and say, well, yes, I've done that. I've, I've had my quiet time this morning. I, I've read three chapters of the Old Testament and two of the New and a Psalm and a Proverb and so on. I, I've gone to church midweek. I've gone to church twice on a Sunday. Um, I've done my good deed for the day and we're ticking off these things. It isn't that at all. It, it's that we are seeking to live in harmony with God. We're seeking to to follow the leading and the guiding of God the Holy Spirit. It's what Paul calls in Ephesians, putting on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The, the glorious news for those that are Christians or for those who, who this morning could become Christian by putting their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ is that there is a new and a living way to live and we can live it by the power of the Spirit. By the power, Hebrews 10, 20 says, by the new and living way that He opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. What the writer to the Hebrews and what the Apostle Paul is saying is you can live a new life because God has made it possible for you to do so. Thirdly, a new and an exciting prospect. I don't know whether it's because I'm getting older. I don't think so. Um, but but I've, I've been thinking an awful lot recently about the, the kind of inadequacy of our hope for the future. Because we, we have this tendency, don't we, to think, well, what I'm looking forward to is heaven. But we haven't really got much of a concept of what that means. Yeah, we, we've, we've matured beyond the point where we think we become stars in the sky or we become angels, which are a separate order of creation completely. Um, and, and we probably no longer think that we're going to be kind of there with, with white dresses on, sitting on a cloud, having somehow learned to play the harp. Um, and and yeah, that's the kind of caricature, isn't it, of, of, of heaven. But we're trying to think, well, what is it? But I think we need a bigger hope. Because what lies ahead of us in the future 
It is not just that we will go to heaven, in, in, in quotations, but that when the consummation of all things comes about, when the, the final drama of human history is over, then God has a much bigger plan that, than simply taking us to heaven. We are going to be renewed in, in, in an amazing way. Paul talks in, in Ephesians, sorry, in 1 Corinthians 15 uh, about us having new resurrection bodies. Uh, and he He's clearly struggling to kind of express it. And he says, no, if you can ask me what it's like, it's a daft question, really, is what he says. You know, you put an acorn into the ground, and what grows is an oak tree. What, what is sown is going to be sown in, in corruption. It's going to be sown mortal. It's going to rise immortal. It, it, it's going to be fantastically, wonderfully glorious can have new resurrection bodies. We won't be disembodied spirits floating around somewhere. We will be real, solid, substantial people. Where are we going to be? Well, God's going to recreate a whole new heaven and a whole new earth. And if you're saying, oh, great, I've been waiting for somebody to explain how all this works to me. Um, here's the disappointment. I, I haven't got a clue because I don't think the Bible gives us more than indications. But it does tell us that there is going to be this new heaven and new earth. The Jehovah's Witnesses try and work it out, and they say, well, there's so many that are going to be in heaven. They're the really, really blessed ones, and the rest are going to be on earth, and they're the not-so-really blessed ones. It's not going to be that at all. The new heaven and the new earth, um, the new heavens and the new earth are all going to be the dwelling place of God. The Lord God is going to be in the midst of them. And the only way that our brains can comprehend something so stunningly amazing is for God to use pictures and symbols. Uh, and he does do so. Streets of gold and gates of pearl and, uh, and trees whose, whose leaves are for the healing of the nations and the, the positives and the negatives. No more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain. But there are other scriptures, aren't there, that, that speak about servants that have served God well being given authority over cities? Well, whether we want to take that literally or not, there's clearly something there about future service, that, that we're going to be in the perfect new heavens and new earth that God has created, where, where the Lord God, it's, it's Eden recreated plus that's, that's the best way you can come. Just as God walked in the garden in the cool of the day, in the garden of Eden, so God will walk amongst his people. We will be with the Lord. It will be stunningly and amazing. Someone put it this way. Ever since the book was written, God's promise of a new heaven and a new earth in Revelation 21 has provoked imitations on the level of a human creation of a just society. At this point, the vital link between Christian doctrine and the struggle for an improvement of human living conditions was never questioned, not even by secular atheists. 
evangelical theology will stress that social engagement cannot create the new heaven or the new earth, nor can it merit salvation, which is by grace alone. The final righteousness is an act of God who speaks, who by His Word creates conditions unobtainable by human efforts. The creation of a new earth and a new heaven is already now the object of Christian praise and worship. But I wonder if it is. I wonder if we have that, that big vision of, of a world, a just world, a righteous world, a, a, a world where we dwell free from sin in the presence of God forever and ever. We will have those new resurrection bodies, as we've said. But I think also we will have work to do, work to do. One of the effects of the fall was to turn tending the garden into fighting the garden. And the work that God will have for us in all of eternity, I don't know exactly what it will look like. I don't think anybody knows. But it will be a joy and a pleasure. You have Adam naming all the animals as God brought them to him. You have Adam tending the garden and clearly enjoying himself. And I think God will have work for us to do that will be a pleasure and a joy for us. Matthew 25, 21, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. You, you note there that the, the reward, Jesus is indicating the rewards for his own people. The reward is not, well done, you've been faithful. Now you can retire and do nothing. It's well done, you've been faithful. I'll give you more to do more that you will enjoy, more that you will relish, more that you will enjoy. And thirdly, there will be the worship of God. One thing that Revelation makes very clear is that we will worship God. I, I do have to say, um, I, I, I think we're not, we're not bad at, at singing in Wem. I think we, we do pretty good job. We've got great music groups, and, uh, and we sing quite well. Uh, and sometimes if you're in a very little small church, and it, it's a little bit of a struggle, isn't it? And, and you come somewhere else, and, and that's great. Or, or maybe you go from when you go to one of the big conferences, you know, where there's a few thousand people, and you think, wow, this, this, this is wonderful. Can you imagine what worship in heaven is going to be like? Can you, just, can you just glimpse it for a moment when, when we will be, you know, we won't need words on a screen. The words will be written on our hearts uh, and implanted on our minds. Uh, and, and the Lord God will not be hidden behind any veil. We will be worshiping Him face to face. We'll be glorifying Him. We'll be adoring Him. And for the first time in the whole of our existence, we will really know what terrible sinners we were and what an amazing salvation Christ wrought, and our hearts will just overflow with joy and thanksgiving to God for what He's done. We will worship, worship, worship. So three things. An eternal covenant which gives us utter security. It's not that, that, that 
Everything is in the balance. Who will win in the end? Will, 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 will God prevail or will Satan overcome? No. From eternity past, it has been written. Your place in that, if you're a Christian, secure. Secure. There is nothing in this universe that can separate you from the love of Christ or the love of God in Christ Jesus. You're a new creation. Everything is, is fresh. Everything is new. Uh, and you can live, I can live, we can live more godly, more righteous lives as we depend on the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we can become a more godly community together uh, as we seek the face of our God and our worship, which is so much a blessing for us now, will just be exceeded in, in an amazing, an amazing way because there is a bigger future for us, I think, than any of us, any of us, have even begun to grasp this new heaven, this new earth. And it will all be because God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, were together involved in this stunning plan of salvation of which you and I are the beneficiaries. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace to us. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you have done for us. And Lord, those of us that are Christians this morning just want to say, Father, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you for, for driving us away from those refuge of lies that Spurgeon spoke about. Thank you for taking from us every false hope that we might eventually turn to Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you for suffering and dying for us, shedding your blood, bearing the curse so that we never need bear it. And Lord, for those, any who are here this morning or online today or any time in the future, Lord, by your Spirit, assure them in their hearts that they can come to you, seek you, and in the words of Deuteronomy, they will find you when they seek you with all of their hearts. Lord, come in saving power, we pray. Come in renewing power. Come in new creating power. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.